people love God. We welcome everyone to worship on this third Sunday in the season of Lent. For those who are watching online or listening on KFUO, you may go to our website at chapelofthecross.org, and under the resource tab, you will find a bulletin so you can follow along with the service, and you may give your offering to the Lord using the Give tab. I have just a few announcements to share with you before we begin worship. Lenten midweek worship continues on Wednesday mornings and evenings. That's at 11 a.m. and at 6.30 p.m. Please join us also for supper prior to the evening worship uh, service. Supper is served starting at 5 p.m. Our, our second Saturday's women's fellowship group will gather this upcoming Saturday. That's Saturday, March 9th at 9.30 a.m. to 12 noon. All ladies are invited to attend, and please bring a light brunch item to share and meet downstairs, and that will be in room 8. Please continue your contributions to our shoebox ministry. You can read all about that in your chapel weekly today. For March and April, we are looking to collect craft items and new stuffed animals. Check out the weekly for more information, and thank you for your continued gifts to the shoebox ministry. Our director of the week this weekend is John Schmidt, standing way back there in the back. John also serves as chairman of the board of directors and congregation president. He will be greeting you at the door as you leave worship today. Get to know John as one who serves you on the Board of Elders here at Chapel of the Cross. Our Elder of the Week this weekend is Jay Zavergens, waving up here in the front. Jay will also be greeting you as well uh, as you leave service today. Get to know him as one of your elders here at Chapel of the Cross. Now God's blessings to you as we worship today. We stand and share the peace of the Lord with one another, after which we will sing our entrance hymn.
Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Though this is a house of prayer, we do not always honor God's house as we should. Still, our Heavenly Father is merciful, and he invites us ever into his house to ask for forgiveness. Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbors. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Disrupt our sinfulness. Forgive us, renew us, and restore us on account of Jesus. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake, God forgives us all of our sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. May the Lord, who has begun this good work in us, bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks be to God. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of us all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. The Lord be with you. We pray. O Lord, you gave the law so that even in our sin we might know your will for our lives. And you gave us your only Son to cleanse our lives of sin. For his sake, forgive us and renew us, so that we may serve you faithfully. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. The Old Testament reading is from the 20th chapter of Exodus. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, 
so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold. They are sweeter than honey. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression. The epistle is from the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the dis despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Be Please stand. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. 
He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. At this time, we invite all of the children forward for the children's message. really good because it kind of goes along with my story today. So, we're going to talk a little bit about 1 Corinthians, especially the first verse of today's reading. It says that, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So what I thought would help us, and he's kind of helping me illustrate a little bit here, is that I thought I would tell you a story, a little story that I'm sure and hope that everybody has heard of before. Now who has heard the story of the three little pigs? Yeah, everybody, yeah. So yeah, it's a story that we're really um, pretty used to hearing, right? But I'm going to add a little, a little twist through that. I'm not going to tell it all to you, but we know we'll go over some points. So we know that the first pig, right? Uh, let's, let's give them new names. I don't want to keep calling them pigs, but the first pig, let's call Benny. So he makes his house out of what? Straw, yes. The second pig, let's just call him uh, Billy. He makes his house out of what? Sticks, yes. And the third pig, let's just call him uh, Bobby. How's that sound? Okay, so we'll call the third pig Bobby. What does he make his house out of? Bricks. Bricks, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, instead of the best, let's call him the wisest pig, right? So out of the three, Bobby is the wisest because he makes his house out of bricks, right? So, being the wisest, we know that the big bad wolf, when he huffed and puffed, give me a little, little puff. Yes, a little puff. Yes, that when he huffed and puffed, that his house didn't fall down, right? But uh, Benny and Billy's house did fall down. But have you ever thought maybe what made Bobby the wisest of the three pigs. pigs the pigs are... oh. <laughs> I he going to give us something interesting. Yeah, the crying wolf. <laughs> but, but yeah, so Bobby, let's say, liked to read his Bible, right? And had faith in what God was telling him in the Bible. But Bobby tried to tell uh, Benny and Billy both about God, but you know, they thought, they thought what Bobby was telling him was foolish. They were more interested in, you know, playing games and, and having fun. And they did, until that day came when the big bad wolf came and just blew down their houses. But they, they ran. They ran to, to Bobby's house, knocked on his door, and were asking him from, for help, from, for help from that big bad wolf. And as we know, after the big bad wolf uh, was defeated, uh, Benny and Bobby, and Billy, I forgot the second one, right? 
were safe. You know, they were safe from what uh, the wolf was trying to do. But after they were safe, Benny and Billy asked Bobby um, how his house, how his house stayed up uh, through this wolf's powerful breaths, his blowing uh, of the houses down. Bobby smiled at him, opened his favorite book, the Bible. He says, because, telling them, the Bible teaches us about building our lives on a strong foundation. He read aloud to them from 1 Corinthians 3. It says, for no one, no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid in Jesus Christ. So as Benny and Billy listened carefully, Bobby explained that just like his sturdy house of bricks, right? They needed to build their lives on the strong foundation of Jesus Christ. Because he says, when we trust in him, we can withstand any storm that comes our way. Now this story is to teach you and it is to teach me and it's to teach all of us about that in life we will meet and know some people who think we're crazy, foolish for believing in Jesus. But if you keep faith, God tells us, faith in Jesus Christ, you will be strong like Bobby and like his house of bricks because you are standing on that foundation of Jesus and what he has done for you and has done for everybody on the cross. God promises this. He promises that your faith has saved you and you will live happily ever after just like those three little pigs. Do you remember their names? No. no. <laughs> Benny, Billy, and Bobby. Yes, Benny. Biddy? No, not Biddy. Well, how about we pray and you guys can go back. You want to pray along with me? All right. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the firm foundation that we are standing on. It may look foolish to others, but we who believe Know that it is the power, the power of God, who saves us by Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. <laughs> As they go back, we continue with the hymn, uh, God of Grace and God of Glory.
our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, on the first Sunday of Lent, we are told about the baptism of Jesus, his temptation in the desert, and Jesus starting his ministry by proclaiming, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, many people heard this message. They saw the signs and miracles that Jesus performed, and many people believed in him. Then, on the second Sunday of Lent, Jesus inquires of his disciples by asking a question. Who do people say that I am? They told him, John the Baptist, Elijah, or maybe one of the prophets. Then, he, then Jesus asks them more directly, but who? Who do you say that I am? Which Peter replies, you are the Christ. After Peter's confession that you are the Christ, we then hear Jesus foretelling his death and resurrection where Peter has the nerve to rebuke him and tell him that this isn't going to happen to him. Get behind me, Satan, Jesus says, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now on this third Sunday of Lent, we are going to talk about something that Jesus did that some people might have a hard time understanding. In the Gospel of John, chapter 2, Jesus is described doing something out of the norm, something that unbelievers might point to and say, look, your Jesus sinned. He got angry, destroyed property, and made a whip, a whip to drive the animals and people away. What a hypocrite, they might say. There is no denying it. Jesus did do this, and it is clearly written here in verses 13 through 16. But Jesus is not a sinner, and he is no hypocrite. This is just a side of Jesus that we are not used to hearing or reading about. When we hear stories about Jesus, we like to hear the ones about a man who is meek and mild, a man who is kind, gentle, and not forceful in his ways, a man who tells stories, talks about forgiveness, the kingdom of God, loving your neighbors unconditionally, God who became incarnate and died for the sins of the world so that you did not have to. That's a Jesus we usually like to hear about, isn't it? But God, God is more. And you really see that clearly in this text. Jesus who flips the table for you and for all nations, flips the table on the whole religious system. God whose plan of salvation from the, from the beginning was for all people, as promised to Abraham in Genesis 22:18, which says, In your offspring shall all the nations, all the nations of the earth be blessed. It is important for us to remember this. Remember that all nations shall be blessed. How is this accomplished? And to whom does this point to? It points to Jesus. So when Jesus walks in in our narrative today onto that temple ground that you read on the day in verse 14, or verse 14, he entered the courts of the Gentiles, the biggest courtyard of the temple. In that courtyard, there was to be devout Gentiles, devout converts, 
worshiping and singing songs of praise to God. Instead, he found it overrun with Jewish men who turned it into a marketplace to sell animals for sacrifice, sheep, doves, and even the exchange of money to pay temple tax. Not to mention the desecration of the temple by the, by the foul smell of manure, bickering, bargaining, dishonesty, and sounds of changing and clanging coins as merchants fill their purses joyously for profit. In the midst of all of this, the temple authorities did not care. In fact, according to a Jewish source, it was the sons of the high priest Annas who orchestrated and were profiting and capitalizing off this sacred event. The temple was not to be a place of business. It is the house of God. This was not God's business. This was man's business. And as it turns out, business was going really well until Jesus appeared. What happens next probably caused the disciples' mouths to drop, probably causes our mouths to drop when we hear it. Jesus comes in, rushes in, and starts flipping tables, made a whip, and drove everyone out. The disciples might have been asking themselves when they saw this, what are we supposed to do? Do we just walk away and act like we don't know the man? Or do we start flipping tables too? But when they heard Jesus say to those selling the pigeons, saying, take these things away, do not make my father's house a house of trade, they remembered King David's words in Psalm 69, 9, and also here in verse, four, uh, verse 17 that says, Zeal, zeal for your house will consume me. And as Luther puts it, zeal is an angry love or a jealous love. His anger does not arise from hatred, he explains. It springs forth from love towards God. So we should see here, we should know that Jesus is displaying that perfect zeal for the house of God. However, it is a zeal that his enemies will eventually come and persecute him for. But Jesus was no sinner, nor were his actions sinful or hypocritical. Jesus has done this by his authority, the authority of God. As the Son of God, he has done all of this by divine righteousness and holiness. He did not lose control, but demonstrated the righteous wrath of God against those who dared to abuse this holy place. The Jews probably more specifically the Jewish leaders, confronted Jesus over this matter. They might have wanted to appear fair in their judgment of him because they knew that they were doing wrong. But they wanted Jesus to prove it to them, wanted him to give them a sign so that they could believe, a sign that indicated that he had authority to disrupt their profitable business like maybe an old-time prophet would do. They wanted a sign because of unbelief and not because of faith. You want a sign, Jesus says? Here is a sign. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The sign that Jesus gave the Jewish leaders was a, a sign of prediction, a sign of judgment. They wanted a sign of authority, but Jesus gave them a sign about themselves and their unbelief. 
They have already heartlessly destroyed true worship in Israel. But they will also destroy the temple of Jesus' body, which he was actually pointing to at this time. A temple they destroy by crucifixion. And when they did so, they received that sign they asked for, that undeniable sign of his authority, and that they are the true temple destroyers. The proof was in Jesus' crucifixion. The rejection of Jesus also led to their destruction of their own temple, the one that they thought that Jesus was talking about in the first place, the Jewish temple, which ultimately was destroyed in the year 70 A.D. Now, the Jewish leaders were not the only ones that were slow in understanding the sign that Jesus gave to them. In some ways, they were ahead of, of, of Jesus' own disciples in that understanding. After his death, they, they posted, the Jewish people posted guards at his tomb to prevent any deception about what he had said, about his resurrection, and to prove that Jesus was a liar, a false prophet. But Jesus was no liar or a false prophet. And when the disciples see Jesus after God raises him from the dead, they remembered. They remembered his words from that day at the temple, believed scripture, and believed in the words that Jesus had spoken. Now the question, do you, do you believe or do you need a sign? Jesus was not and is not big on giving signs and doing miracles to those who demand them. do some form of parlor trick and people would believe it. Believe in the work of a person who gives the grandest sign. Have the biggest and fanciest church on the street. Has the best entertainment. Gives the people a sense of belonging by making them feel all happy, warm, and cozy inside and that they have somehow earned their salvation something that how feels like they have been saved by what they have done and put it on display for other people to see them these wolves and sheep's clothes take man's business and make it look like God's while they fill their pockets with your money as they get you to believe in them, believe in self-reliance from works, and believe and trust in the comforts of a church building that they have provided for you. They want you to think and believe God is more active where they are, and that they are somehow more blessed than what God has blessed you with. Unfortunately, people fall for it. You might even fall for it at times. I'm not saying that God doesn't work through those things and in those places. That you or other people aren't faithful or God-fearing. What I am saying is that Jesus did not always give people what they wanted for a reason. Because he knew that they were not going to believe in what he was actually saying, but in what he was actually doing. Jesus came not as a people pleaser, but as a savior. Jesus found people in a desperate need. He still finds people in a desperate need today, here finds leaders taking advantage of the Father's true children and, and claiming it as God's work. 
Sin causes all sorts of corruption. But Jesus comes. He comes and flips the table on them. Flips the tables in our lives. We might even be tempted to ask, by by what authority, Jesus? Demand of Jesus. What authority do you have to have us live our lives the way that you want us to live them? By what authority can he come into our lives and turn tables? It is by the authority of his death and his resurrection. Destroy this temple, Jesus says, and I, I will rebuild it. Rebuild it by his authority. Rebuild it by his victory. His victory over death and the grave. He does it for you. Not because of what you can do for him, but what God is doing for you. God has given you, given all of us, every sign that we need to believe. Just like that day when Jesus cleansed the temple, we find Jesus cleansing our lives. Cleansing us from man's business. Cleansing us from lust, greed, jealousy, wrath, laziness, and the pride, the pride of man. He comes. He comes into our lives and flips those tables to drive out the things that are keeping us from God. He doesn't give us fancy parlor tricks, but points us to the cross. Points us to God and tells us to believe. Believe and have faith. For it is by grace you have been saved through your faith. This is not of your own doing, nor by the deeds of anybody else. It is by the gift of God. And in that gift, in that gift, we have God's grace, we have God's mercy, and we have peace. For the greatest gift, the greatest sign, the greatest miracle is Jesus Christ. Jesus who took all the sins of the world, your sins, and nailed them to the cross next to him on the cross. He died that you might live. He died so that you would be forgiven of taking man's business and putting it above God's. He died so that you would put your faith in no man, no man, no physical church or anything else but in God alone. And when your blessed Father in heaven raises Jesus from that dead, from the dead, he wanted you to know that you can trust, that you can trust in him and believe. Believe what you are told in Scripture. Be able to believe the promises of God revealed to you. Be able to believe and have faith that you are saved, forgiven, a blessed and true child of God who will be living joyously in the presence of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit forever and ever is Jesus a table flipper he sure is and he does it for you he does it for you by his divine righteousness and by God's divine wrath which defends you and defends all people that by the zeal that consumes him your body's may be cleansed, that that temple will be cleansed and presented undefiled before God. Before God who dwells with inside of you.
Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand with me as we confess our faith in God by the use of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O oh God, give to your whole church on earth boldness to proclaim Christ crucified throughout the world. Enlighten the hearts of those who ignore your gospel, that they may recognize in your cross the wisdom of your Father and the power of your love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O oh Lord, you are our refuge and portion in the land of the living, and you hold all the power of the world in your hand. Give to all the rulers of the nations the wisdom of maintaining peace and promoting justice, that the proclamation of your word may not be hindered. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, bless the labors of our partners in Lutheran education. We ask that you continue to bless all Lutheran schools, their teachers, administrators, and students, but especially those schools that are partners in ministry with Chapel of the Cross, including Grace Chapel Lutheran School, Emmanuel Lutheran School, Salem Lutheran School, Lutheran North, Middle, and High Schools, and our Lutheran colleges, universities, and seminaries. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Grant your continued protection, O Lord, to those who serve in the armed forces of our nation. Sustain their families in their absence, and give them courage to serve with integrity and honor. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear our prayers, O Lord, for all who are sick or injured. We especially remember this day Nancy Bracter, Fred Fanzen, Patrick Garrison, and Bud Schultz. Direct the eyes of all the recovering, the ill, and the infirm to see your saving acts and trust in your healing power. Grant them your peace and sustain them in good hope. We also pray for Allison and Lucas Meyer and their baby set to be born today. Bless the doctors, nurses, and caregivers, but especially the baby and parents, that all would go well with labor and delivery. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O God, surround with your love those who mourn the death of loved ones. We especially remember today Rick and Doris Tritkin and their family upon the death of Rick's brother, Barry. May they hold firmly to your sure peace and take comfort in the promise of the resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, Heavenly Father, we pray for those who celebrate special milestones, especially Jerry Rankin and her family, as they celebrate her 90th birthday. Continue to keep her in your love and care. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated for the offering.
Blessed Lord, you have given us your holy scriptures for our learning. May we so hear them, read, learn, and take them to heart, that being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may cling to the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Receive the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. We remain standing as we sing together our recessional hymn.